Chapter Two, Part Three, of the Lives and Opinions of Eminent Philosophers, Book Six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lives and Opinions of Eminent Philosophers, Book Six, by Diogenes Laetius, translated by. Charles Duke Young, Chapter Two, Part Three. Life of Diogenes. On one occasion, he was eating his dinner in the marketplace, and the bystanders kept constantly calling out, "Dog!" But he said, "It is you who are the dogs who stand around me while I am at dinner." When two effeminate fellows were getting out of his way, he said, "Don't be afraid." A dog does not eat beetroot. Being once asked about a debauched boy, as to what country he came from, he said, "He is a Tajian." Footnote: This is a pun on the similarity of the sound Tajia to Tajios, a brothel. End of footnote. Seeing an unskilful wrestler professing to heal a man, he said, "What are you about? Are you in hopes?" Now to overthrow those who formerly conquered you, on one occasion, he saw the son of a courtesan throwing a stone at a crowd, and said to him, "Take care, lest you hit your father." When a boy showed him a sword that he had received from one to whom he had done some discreditable service, he told him, "The sword is a good sword, but the handle is infamous." And when some people were praising a man. Who had given him something, he said to him, "And do not you praise me, who was worthy to receive it?" He was asked by someone to give him back his cloak, but he replied, "If you gave it to me, it is mine, and if you only lent it to me, I am using it." A supposititious son, Epovelimios, of somebody once said to him that he had gold in his cloak. "No doubt," said he. That is the very reason why I sleep with it under my head, Epovivilimenos. When he was asked what advantage he had derived from philosophy, he replied, "If no other, at least this, that I am prepared for every kind of fortune." The question was put to him, what countryman he was, and he replied, "A citizen of the world." Some men were sacrificing to the gods to prevail on them to send them sons. And he said, "And do you not sacrifice to procure sons of particular character?" Once he was asking the president of a society for a contribution, and said to him, "Spoil all the rest, but keep your hands from Hector." He used to say that courtesans were the queens of kings, for that they asked them for whatever they chose. When the Athenians had voted that Alexander was Bacchus, he said to them, "Vote too." That I am Serapis. When a man reproached him from going into unclean places, he said, "The sun too penetrates into privies, but is not polluted by them." When supping in a temple, as some dirty loaves were set before him, he took them up and threw them away, saying that nothing dirty ought to come into a temple. And when someone said to him, "You philosophize without being possessed of any knowledge," he said. If I only pretend to wisdom, that is philosophizing. 
a man once brought him a boy and said that he was a very clever child and one of an admirable disposition what then said diogenes does he want of me he used to say that those who utter virtuous sentiments but do not do them are no better than harps for that a harp has no hearing or feeling once he was going into a theatre while everyone else was coming out of it and when asked why he did so it is said he what i have been doing all my life once when he saw a young man putting on effeminate airs he said to him are you not ashamed to have worse plans for yourself than nature had for you for she has made you a man but you are trying to force yourself to be a woman when he saw a ignorant man tuning a psaltery he said to him are you not ashamed to be arranging proper sounds on a wooden instrument and not arranging your soul to a proper life when a man said to him i am not calculated for philosophy he said why then do you live if you have no desire to live properly to a man who treated his father with contempt he said are you not ashamed to despise him to whom you owe it that you have it in your power to give yourself as at all seeing a handsome man chattering in an unseemly manner he said are you not ashamed to draw a sword cut of lead out of a scabbard of ivory being once reproached for drinking in a vintner's shop he said i have my hair cut too in a barber's at another time he was attacked for being accepted a cloak from antipater but he replied refuse not thou to heed the gifts from which the mighty gods proceed footnote homer sixty five end of footnote a man once struck him with a broom and said take care so he struck him in return with a staff and said take care he once said to a man who was addressing anxious entreaties to a courtesan what can you wish to obtain you wretched man that you had not better be disappointed in seeing a man drinking all over with unguents he said to him have a care lest the fragrance of your head give a bad order to your life one of his sayings was that servants serve their masters and that wicked men are the slaves of their appetites being asked why slaves were called andropoda he replied because they have the feet of men tu podas andro and a soul such as you who are asking this question he once asked a profligate fellow for a mina and when he put the question to him why he asked others for an obol and him for a mina he said because i hope to get something from the others another time but the gods alone know whether i shall extract anything from you again once he was reproached for asking favors while plato never asked for any and he said he asks as well as i do but he does it bending his head that no one else may hear one day he saw an unskilful archer shooting so he went out and sat down by the target saying now i shall be out of the harm's way he used to say that those who were in love were disappointed in regard of the pleasure they expected when he was asked whether death was an evil he replied how can that be an evil which we do not feel when it is present when alexander was once standing by him and saying 
do not you fear me he replied no for what are you a good or an evil and as he said that he was good who then said diogenes fears the good he used to say that education was for the young sobriety for the old comfort for the poor riches and for the rich an ornament when didymus the adulterer was once trying to cure the eye of a young girl chorus he said take care lest when you are curing the eye of the maiden you do not hurt the pupil footnote there is a pun here kori means both a girl and the pupil of the eye and fitiro to destroy is also especially used for to seduce end of footnote a man once said to him that his friends laid plots against him what then said he are you to do if you must look upon both your friends and enemies in the same light on one occasion he was asked what was the most excellent thing among men and he said freedom of speech he went once into a school and saw many statues of the muses but very few pupils and said gods and all my good schoolmasters you have plenty of pupils he was in the habit of doing everything in public whether in respect of venus or ceres and he used to put his conclusions in this way to people if there is nothing absurd in dining then it is not absurd to dine in the market place but it is not absurd to dine therefore it is not absurd to dine in the market place and as he was continually doing manual work in the public he used to say would that by rubbing my belly i could get rid of hunger other things also attributed to him which it would take long time to enumerate there is such a multiplicity of them he used to say that there are two kinds of exercise that namely of the mind and that of the body and that the latter of these created in the mind such quick and agile fantasies at the time of its performance as very much facilitated the practice of virtue but that one was imperfect without the other since the health and vigor necessary for the practice of what is good depend equally on both mind and body and he used to allege as proofs of this and of the ease with which practice imparts to acts of virtue that people could see that in the case of mere common working grades and other employments of that kind the artisans arrived at no inconsiderable accuracy by constant practice and that any one may see how much one flute player or one wrestler is superior to another by his own continued practice and if those men transferred the same training to their minds they would not labor in a profitless or imperfect manner he used to say also that there was nothing whatever in life which could be brought to perfection without practice and that that alone was able to overcome every obstacle that therefore as we ought to repudiate all useless toils and to apply ourselves to useful labors and to live happily we are only unhappy in consequence of most exceeding folly for the very contempt of pleasure if we only inure ourselves to it is very pleasant and just as they who are accustomed to live luxuriously are brought very unwillingly to adopt the contrary system so they who have been originally inured to the opposite system 
feel a sort of pleasure in the contempt of pleasure this used to be the language which he held and he used to show in practice really altering men's habits and deferring in all things rather to the principles of nature than to those of law saying that he was adopting the same fashion of life as hercules did preferring nothing in the world to liberty and saying that everything belonged to the wise and advancing arguments such as i mentioned just above for instance everything belongs to the gods and the gods are the friends of the wise and all the property of friends is held in common therefore everything belongs to the wise he also argued about the law that without it there is no possibility of a constitution being maintained for without a city there can be nothing orderly but a city is an orderly thing and without a city there can be no law therefore law is order and he played in the same manner with the topics of noble birth and reputation and all other things of that kind saying that they were all veils as it were for wickedness and that that was the only proper constitution which consisted in order another of his doctrines was that all women ought to be possessed in common and he said that marriage was a nullity and that the proper way would be for every man to live with her whom he could persuade to agree with him and on the same principle he said that all people's son ought to belong to every one in common and there was nothing intolerable in the idea of taking anything out of a temple or eating any animal whatever and that there was no impiety in tasting even human flesh as is plain from the habits of foreign nations and he said that this principle might be correctly extended to every case and every people for he said that in reality everything was a combination of all things for that in bread there was meat and in vegetables there was bread and so there was some particle of all other bodies in everything communicating by invisible passages and evaporating and he explains his theory of us clearly in the thesitus if indeed the tragedies attributed to him are really his composition and not rather the work of philistus of agina his intimate friend or of pasiphone the son of lucian who is stated by favorinus in his universal history to have written them after diogenes's death music and geometry and astronomy and all things of that kind he neglected as useless and unnecessary but he was a man very happy in meeting arguments as his plain form what we have already said and he bore being sold with most magnanimous spirit for he was sailing to agina and was taken prisoner by some pirates under the command of skirpalus he was carried off to crete and sold and when circe asked him for what art he understood he said that of governing men and presently pointing to corinthian very carefully dressed the same zeniades whom we have mentioned before he said sell me to that man for he wants a master accordingly zeniades bought him and carried him away to corinth and then he made him tutor of his sons and committed to him the entire management of his house and he behaved himself in every affair in such a manner that zeniades when looking over his property said a good genius has come into my house and cleomenes in his book 
which is called the schoolmaster says that he wished to ransom all his relations but that diogenes told him that they were all fools for that lions did not become the slaves of those who kept them but on the contrary those who maintained lions were their slaves for that it was a part of slave to fear but that wild beasts were formidable to men and the man had the gift of persuasion in a wonderful degree so that he could easily overcome any one by his arguments accordingly it is said that an aegyntian of the name onuscritus having two sons sent to athens one of them whose name was androsthenes and that he after having heard diogenes lecture remained there and that after that he sent the elder philiscus who has been already mentioned and that philiscus was charmed in the same manner and last of all he came himself and then he too remained no less than his son studying philosophy at the feet of diogenes so great a charm was there in the discourses of diogenes another pupil of his was fushion who was surnamed the good the stipolan the megarian and the great many other men of eminence as statesmen he is said to have died when he was nearly 90 years of age but there are different accounts given of his death for some say for that he ate an ox's foot raw and was in consequence seized by a bilious attack of which he died others of whom kerkidas a megapolitan and creton is one say that he died of holding his breath for several days and kerkidas speaks thus of him in his meliambics he the cynopian who bore the stick wore his cloak doubled and in the open air dined without washing would not bear with life a moment longer but he shut his teeth and held his breath he truly was the son of jove and most heavenly minded dog the wise diogenes others say that he while intending to distribute a polypus to his dogs was bitten by them through the tendon of his foot and so died but his own greatest friends as antisthenes tells us in his successions rather than sanction the story of his having died from holding his breath for he used to live in the cranium which was a gymnasium at the gates of corinth and his friends came according to their custom and found him with his head covered as they did not suppose that he was asleep for he was not a man much subject to the influence of night or sleep they drew away his cloak from his face and found him no longer breathing and they thought he had done this on purpose wishing to escape the remaining portion of his life on this there was a quarrel as they say between his friends as to who should bury him and they even came to blows but when the elders and the chief men of the city came there they say that he was buried by them at the gate which leads to isthmus and they placed over him a pillar on that a dog of parian marble and at a later period his fellow citizens honored him with the brazen statues and put this inscription on them even brass by lapse of time doth old become but there is no such time as shall efface your lasting glory wise diogenes since you alone did teach to men the art of a contented life the surest path to glory and a lasting happiness we ourselves have written an epigram on him in the prosilvasmatic meter a tell me diogenes tell me true i pray how did you die what fate to pluto bore you 
b the savage bite of an envious dog did kill me some however say that he was dying he ordered his friends to throw his corpse away without burying it so that every beast might tear it or else to throw it into a ditch and sprinkle a little dust over it and others say that his injunctions were that he should be thrown into elisuas that so he might be useful to his brethren but demetrius in his treatise on men of the same name say that diogenes died in corinth the same day that alexander died in babylon and he was already an old man as early as the hundred and thirteenth olympiad the following books are attributed to him the dialogues entitled kephelion the ichthyas the jackdaw the leopard the people of athenians the republic one on moral art one on wealth one on love the theodorus the hypsias the aristarchus one on death a volume of letters seven tragedies the helen the thistus the hercules the achilles the medea the chrysippus and the oedipus but sosicrates in the first book of his successions and satyrus in the fourth book of his lives both assert that none of all these are the genuine compositions of diogenes and satyrus affirms us that the tragedies are the work of philiscus the agentian a friend of diogenes but sotian in his seventh book says that these are the only genuine works of diogenes a dialogue on virtue another on the good another on love the beggar the solomaeus the leopard the cassander the cephalian and the aristocarchus the cispius the ganymede a volume of apothegms and another of letters are all work of philiscus there were five persons of the name of diogenes the first a native of apollonia a natural philosopher and the beginning of his treatise on natural philosophy is as follows it appears to me to be well for every one who commences any kind of philosophical treatise to lay down some undeniable principle to start with the second was a sicimian who wrote on the account of peloponnesus the third was the man of whom we have been speaking the fourth was a stoic a native of seleucia but usually called a babylonian from the proximity of seleucia to babylon the fifth was a native of tarsus who brought on the subject of some questions concerning poetry which he endeavours to solve athenodorus in the eighth book of his conversations says that the philosopher always had a shining appearance from his habit of anointing himself end of chapter 2 part 3 read by lambda